All right, hey, do me a real quick favor this morning. Would you please help me in welcoming all of those who are joining us live online via Facebook, YouTube, our website, EuniceChurch.com. And now then, just one more time, a little bit louder for all of our brothers and sisters in Christ at the Eunice Correctional Facility. We love you guys. We're honored that you're with us. Hey, listen, today I'm going to just come right out of the gate. Like I was sitting on yellow in my chair and the light has turned green and I'm ready to go. I'm coming out quick. I'm coming out hot today. I want to talk to you about the Holy Ghost. I came this morning to set the record straight. I came this morning to redefine stop it. I came this morning to redefine some things that my friend has been accused of. My friend has been accused of being weird. My friend has been accused of being confusing. My friend has been accused of being an accuser. And I'm telling you today that the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is not the weird one. He's not the confusing one. He's not the accuser of the brethren. The Holy Ghost is not just a paranormal, mystical, metaphysical force that we only can encounter in some sort of transcendental state. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not one we encounter by going, Om or Musa or doing the stretching dog pose, whatever that looks like. That is not, that is not my friend. My friend is the Holy Spirit. He is beyond normal. He is beyond natural. He is beyond ordinary, everyday, commonplace. He is not some rogue religious ritual. He is supernatural, extraordinary, unimaginable, unimaginable unfathomable, absolutely astonishing, and he is available to us today. He is the Holy Ghost. He is not something to be afraid of. He is someone I am empowered by. He is not weird. We are. (laughs) He does not cause confusion. We do. He is not out of order. We are. He is not something we should be afraid of. He is someone we are empowered by. I do not speak in tongues and have a prayer language so I can meet with the Holy Spirit. I don't clean up my act and get everything together so I can meet with the Holy Spirit. I have met with the Holy Spirit, therefore I pray in a language that I didn't learn. I have met with the Holy Spirit, therefore I'm being sanctified and made holy. I have met with the Holy Spirit and therefore I am empowered as an example and nobody's excuse. I have met with and I am meeting with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I'm not looking for a moment that's going to fix me. I'm looking for the one that can take care of everything inside that nobody else can see. He is the Holy Spirit, and he is the one that I am empowered by. John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, okay, and, and I just want to, again, I'm, I'm here to set the record straight. 
I came irritated because my friend has been accused of things that he is not. My friend has been accused of circumstances and confusion and and chaos and things that are out of order that is not how he desires. My friend has been accused of making people uncomfortable and yet his name speaks to a separate attribute than what he has formerly been accused of. Jesus, we don't have a problem with. The Holy Spirit, we get all weird about. But it was Jesus that said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another Along, another, one likened unto myself, advocate, parakletos, one who comes alongside. So Jesus said, I'm going to send one like me, and yet he's going to be different from me. But he will come alongside of you, and he will never leave you. Who is this person? Who is this spirit? He is the Holy Spirit, the pneuma. Who leads into who leads into not what, not that, but who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because the world isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. You know him because you can't receive salvation without him. Because you can't see your sin without him. Because you can't see any hope for your hopelessness or any light for your darkness without him. You know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jump down to verse 25. Jesus says, I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. In other words, it doesn't matter what man or woman is speaking about him. It doesn't matter who it is that's telling you about him. What matters is that you are open to receiving him. Because in verse 26, when the Father, when the Father, not if the Father, but when the Father sends the Advocate, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit as my representative, he is the person that represents Jesus. He is the person of God, the pneuma, the wind, the spirit, the knowing of God. And we've got to quit leaving him out of our Christianity. We've got to stop leaving him out of our doctrine. We've got to stop leaving him out of our discussions. And we've got to stop, listen to me, we've got to stop misrepresenting him. It's very important because he's the representative of Jesus. And if we claim to be in Jesus, then we should represent the representative of Jesus. I don't want to go too far here, but representatives are not positioned to make their own decisions. When a representative is elected and positioned... 
The representative's responsibility is not to come up and develop their own representation. The representative's position and authority was given by those who positioned them into the spot. Their responsibility is no longer even to themselves. Their responsibility is to the ones by which they were positioned to represent. We are the representatives of the one who has elected us, who has positioned us, the one who has stationed us in the lives of the people that he has put around us, and therefore we should represent the representative that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything. He doesn't leave you walking out confused and chaotic and misunderstood. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I told you. Now, I'm speaking today on the Holy Ghost. And I did a little research, a little history, and I found out that the King James Version is one of the only versions that uses the, the word ghost. In fact, the, the King James Version uses the word ghost about 90 times. And yet, there's about seven times where the King James Version, who was using the word ghost, decided to use the word spirit. In John chapter 14, the King James Version would use Holy Ghost. But in Luke chapter 11, we find that the same version that is translating the same word, pneuma, spirit, wind, the same version in Luke chapter 11 is using the word Holy Spirit. That if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will the Father give the Holy... He doesn't say ghost. The King James Version translation doesn't say ghost right there. It just says spirit. Well, what's the point? The point is it doesn't matter what you call him. It matters how you identify him. That he is the spirit, the ghost, the beyond natural, the supernatural, the extraordinary. The one that takes you from where you are to the place that he desires for you to be. So whether you call him ghost, an immaterial being, or spirit, an all-knowing God, you need to understand that he is currently beyond the place that you're in, but he won't to meet you right where you are and take you to where he has for you to go. In this series, we have discussed what the disciples, and this is an extension of the series, teach us to pray. Last week, I showed you in Luke chapter 11 that as Jesus began to answer the disciples' question, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus gave them a structure in the Lord's prayer. And then he gave them a production or a persistence in their asking. That when you ask, keep on asking. When you seek, keep on seeking. When you not here, you know what's wrong with the church in the United States today is that we ask and then we stop. Or we seek and we stop. Or we knock and we cease. And we blame God for our lack of persistence in our conversations, in our seeking, in our asking, or in our knowing. But God didn't stop seeking. The Bible says that he is relentless after the one. So as representatives of the one that is relentless, then we too should be relentless in our asking, in our seeking, and in our knocking. But the disciples saw something in Jesus that they desired. You have something that we want. And at the end 
of his oration and his answer on teaching the disciples how to pray, he gives the essence of the, the prayer life. The asking, not for a something, but for someone. That when you ask the Father, he will give you his Holy Spirit. The someone that you have been looking for. So today I want to talk to you about whom. I want to talk to you about whom, not what. I believe the disciples discovered the person of the Holy Spirit that the disciples discovered in Acts chapter 2. The person of the Holy Spirit the disciples discovered in John chapter 20 verse 22 when Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit and said receive the Holy Spirit. He is the one that we should desire. He is the counselor. He is the comforter. He is the keeper. He is the helper. He is the advocate. He is the companion. He is the friend. He is all powerful. He is all knowing and he is all Always available to his people. He's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is, number one, if you're taking notes, the comforter. He is the comforter. Jesus relieved himself from this earth and replaced himself with the Holy Spirit. He replaced, the Holy Spirit replaced Jesus in his ministry. And he is still to this day replacing Jesus in his ministry. The Holy Spirit is the one who had to come alongside the disciples. And when he came alongside the disciples, when the disciples discovered the Holy Spirit, they began to do things that they used to watch Jesus do. They begin to walk in things that they used to watch Jesus walk in. They began to accomplish and to go into places that they used to stand back and watch Jesus go into for them. I want to say this morning that when we stay comfortable, we restrain our need for a comforter. Thank you for those mighty amens. Don't shout me down. We'll be here all day. Sit down. Sit down. Take it easy. When we stay comfortable as believers in Christ, we restrain our need for a comforter. So let me ask you the question, when is the last time that you made yourself uncomfortable? When is the last time that you stepped out of your comfort zone and you stepped into the zone of the comforter? When is the last time that you heard that still small voice on the inside of you and instead of ignoring it and learning how to compartmentalize it or become complacent to it or callous yourself to it, you learned how to begin to be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You stepped out 
out of the zone of your own comfort and you step into the zone of the comforter being able to take you places you would not have gone to begin to say things you would not have said begin to do things you would not have done begin to minister and to reach people that you would not have otherwise ministered to and or reach because you were willing to get out of your little comfort circle in the United States of America you were willing to get out of your little comfort circle in the southern Bible Belt and you were willing to say if nobody else is willing to step out then I'll be the only one that's willing to step up because God doesn't need a group when he has a remnant God doesn't need a remnant when he has an individual and if 12 disciples could discover the comforter and change the trajectory of the world then what is the church in the United States with more resource more opportunity and more freedom doing with the Holy Spirit who is the comforter step out and be comforted because once you become a follower of Christ you should develop as a leader in the world and let me write it just let's just simplify it as a disciple a disciple should develop into a leader in life Yale does not produce the next generation of leaders. Harvard does not, Stanford does not, Cambridge does not. The secular world, corporate America, is not the answer to the problems of the next generation, the issues of the next generation. The Holy Spirit, the comforter, the ones who have been delivered and set free and filled and empowered to walk a life that looks different than the life that they used to live. It is the children of God who should be the leaders in this life. Once you become a disciple, you should not be satisfied with not developing into a leader because a follower of Jesus, the representative, has the authority and the representation of the Holy Spirit, the leader in this life. But the problem is too many people too many spirit-filled, too many saved and sanctified, holy rollers, too many of us have become too comfortable to where we have even forgotten what it looks like to be uncomfortable outside of this sanctuary. Oh, come on, we can have a Holy Ghost hoedown as long as we're in the house and everybody agrees with it. But when is the last time that you prayed for your waitress? When is the last time you spoke a prophetic word into somebody in an aisle on Walmart? When is the last time that you had faith to be used outside of the house of God as much as you wanted to express your faith inside of the house of God? I am asking that we would learn how to be uncomfortable we don't go on vacation from the Holy Spirit we don't take a break from the Holy Spirit we never know when or who he will put in our path and if we would get uncomfortable we would find some essence in the comforter that we never knew and we would learn how to be even more comfortable and ultimately do more than we would have done before but we're too comfortable number two the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost ah and that's what we do. Like, 
We separate them. Like spirit and ghosts are different. Listen, it's the same Hebrew word, the same Greek word, and the same translation. Do you know why they stopped using ghost and started using spirit? Because the world's definition of ghost and spirit changed. See, 300 years ago, spirit represented the English word spirit. This is just a little history. The the English word spirit represented a dead man's soul, a dead man's spirit. And so they used the word ghost because they didn't want to confuse people thinking that it was some dead man's ghost or spirit flying around. But 300 years later, 200 years later, they begin to change that word because today we, we, we are confused as to whether ghosts exist. And by the way, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is no hovering or going on outside of the body of, of the believer. Okay, to be, You're either here in this body or you're there with the one who created this body, soul, and spirit. That is a biblical essence. If you find something different, please give it to me. Please bring it to me. You can share it with me. Until that, I don't believe in ghosts. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Spirit. The reason that they changed the word was because the understanding of that word evolved. And so they believe, they began to call him the, the spirit of God because a ghost was a reference to a deceased dead man. But the spirit is a reference to the one who is alive and well and has come down and walked beside us in this life. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, the wind, the breath of God. Number two, he's a teacher. He's just a teacher. He's not just a supernatural force. He's not just a mystical being that hovers in the air over us. The Bible actually says in Genesis chapter 1 that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, but it was formless and void. Now watch this. Anything that the Spirit is simply hovering over is formless and void. But in Genesis 1 and 2, God created man, a dirt body, And he took the spirit that was hovering over that which was formless and void. And he he imparted it into the dirt body of the man. And now today we understand that we've been bought with a price. Purchased by the blood. And filled with the breath of God. He's not hovering around me. He saturated the inside of me. He's not something I see or something I experience. He's a part of my being. My identity. He is some. One that invades and, 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 and instructs and teaches me, not from the outside in, from the inside out. Verse 17, he is the Holy Ghost. He is the Holy Spirit. What does he do? Who leads into all, not some. He leads into all truth. Now listen, listen. If he leads into all truth, then as his representatives, if we are not leading into all truth, then we are not reflecting who he says he is. In fact, if all we do is spend our lives following and we never shift into the next phase of becoming a leader. We are misrepresenting the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Not some truth. 
When we lead into some truth, we misrepresent. When we limit him inside of a box of our own personal preference, we limit him. When we lead into all truth, we truthfully represent. We honestly reflect who he desires to be. See, Jesus had to remove himself from the disciples. He had to remove himself from the disciples because they had become comfortable with him. The disciples had become perfectly content. Listen to this, church. The disciples had become perfectly content just following and watching someone else do what they should have been getting ready to do. They had become perfectly comfortable watching a professional clergyman hiring a professional pastor. Instead of stepping into their anointing, they had become comfortable just watching someone else do what they were perfect. Oh man, I'm all over y'all today. What they are perfectly capable of doing for themselves. So Jesus said, enough's enough. I gotta go because this can't stay. And the one that I'm going to send I'm going to remove myself so that I can replace myself with someone. But he's not going to be on the outside of you for you to look at and follow around and only do what he says. He's going to be the unction of who you are. He's going to lead you into the places that he wants you to go. He's going to take you to the person that only he could know and reveal only the things that he could reveal. He's the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of faith, the spirit of miracles, the spirit of signs and wonders, the spirit of discernment, the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of tongues, and the spirit of the interpretation. And somebody needs to begin to learn who he is so that they can know what they're capable of. Jesus removed himself because the disciples had become comfortable simply following and not leading. I don't want Jesus to have to remove things from me in order to reveal things to me. Now listen, I I understand. Let me say that again. I, I do not want Jesus to have to remove things from me just to be able to reveal things to me because I became satisfied or comfortable with less than what he had for me. Now, I understand that pruning is part of the process. I understand that the vine dresser will come by and he will shear off some things that don't belong, remove some things that do not belong, and replace them with things that do belong. And I just want to, the other day we were sitting at the house and, and Megan looked over. Uh, she was sitting on one couch and I was sitting on the other. And I don't know why we do that, but that's just kind of how we live. And unless like, I'm like, hey, girl, I'm going to watch a dumb movie that I don't really want to see. Come snuggle me. That's the only purpose of me watching this movie is so I can sit with you. Um, she was sitting. I was probably watching something I wanted to watch, which is why she wasn't sitting by me. I think her phone was almost dead. She was plugged into the wall and she was working her thumbs out. And so we were sitting there and she looked up and she goes, she said, 
man, I'm so looking forward to being on vacation with you. And I thought she was going to say, just me and you, you know, to having dinner with you. I thought she was going to say something, you know, really relational and really sweet. And she said, so you will stop messing with your beard. <laughs> Apparently I was thinking. Apparently, uh, if I were to play poker, which I, I don't play because I like to hold on to my money, but <laughs> I work hard for it. Don't want to give it to something that's going to float down river by chance. You know, it's just, <laughs> but I don't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm not even lying. What she was speaking to was apparently my tail is me messing with my beard. I'm, I'm thinking. And apparently on vacation, I don't mess with it because I'm not thinking. <laughs> I go in, apparently on vacation, I go into some sort of dumb state where I begin to lose my ability to analyze and therefore do not mess with my beard. And my wife likes my beard. I don't know if she really likes my beard or if she only likes half my face. I'm not sure. I do, I do have, like, I'm going to admit, like underneath this, this beautiful face decor, I, I have this chin that will jab unsuspecting children. And it's just, it's like a thing. And so I keep it covered. It's, it's my dad's chin. It's a pointy, like kind of a witchy looking thing. It's weird. It's, it's not, it's not a great, but, but the reason, the reason that, and I try to explain this, nobody cares, but I'll, I'll take the opportunity now while you can't interrupt me, um, to explain. <laughs> To explain, the, the reason that I, I'm messing with my beard so much, honestly, is I'm, I'm looking for like crinkly, nasty split or curl, just the ones that I don't want in there. Because there's some like, so there's some nice straight ones and then there's some weird off-colored ones. They're whiter than they're supposed to be. They're just, they're beginning to multiply themselves. I don't know if they're like procreating within my face. I'm not sure what's going on there, but, but they're, it's happening. And so I will pluck them because, because I only want to keep the ones that are supposed to be there. Okay. So I, I get that there is, there is a time where there must be some, some pruning and some plucking. But, but, but again, once again, to be a follower of Christ, once we become a follower of Christ, we should develop whether it's by pruning or by following or by desiring or by persistence or by structure or by the unction of the Holy Spirit outside of the structure that we have already developed. And by the way, Proverbs 16, 9 says, 16, 9 says many are the plans of a man heart, man's heart, but God establishes the steps. Okay, so listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. It's really important. God can't establish a step that you don't take. If you just stand there, and hope God, then you're never going to move from that place. And the definition of being in a rut is literally laying in a grave with both ends kicked out of it. You're stuck. But the reason that you're stuck is because you lost your step. So when you're stuck, take a step. And then let God begin to establish the steps that you take. And then as you take those steps and he establishes those steps, what happens is that you look back and you realize that the steps of a righteous man were ordered by the Lord. But a disciple should develop into a leader in this life. The reason that that's not happening is because too many people are satisfied with what they already thought they knew. I've already learned that. 
I've already heard that. Well, I've already read that. I've already sat in that. I already studied that. And, and we're satisfied with what we think we have already learned. But we are, and therefore we become content and comfortable watching other people be and become what we could have been because we ceased to learn. And listen, and then we begin to die. In fact, Mortimer J. Adler, he wrote a book on how to read a book. I mean, this dude. Is there like a precursor to this thing? I was always, if you wrote a book, how to read a book. Well, how do I read your book? I just, I needed, I, but in this book on how to read a book, which sold millions of copies. This guy's brilliant, by the way. I'm going to write a book on how to read Jay Mortimer Adler's book on how to read a book. To see how many copies I can sell. <laughs> but in his book on how to read a book, Jay Mortimer Adler said, when we cease to grow, we begin, we begin to die. And that's why we have so many Christians because we cease to grow. Listen, if the Apostle Paul said, I have not arrived, yet I press on, if it was good enough for him, then how many of you understand it should probably be good enough for us? Too many of us are too satisfied, and I don't like to be satisfied because I don't like to watch other people win in places that I could have won. I like to win. I have a hard time giving an enemy or an opponent credit. I had a hard time yesterday. I, I had a hard time last week. We are supposed to play that way. Come on, somebody. We're supposed to win that game. Every time I stepped out on the field, I believed that I was better than whoever they put on the mound or whoever they put in the other uniform. I knew that I was not supposed to lose, that I was supposed to win. Did it mean that I never lost? No. It just meant that I didn't evaluate that person as being better than me. I evaluated what I could have learned and done differently because I know whether he throws 94, 84, 74, goes in the first round, or never makes it to the next level. That punk isn't beating me. I'm telling you that we need the Spirit of God to arise back up in us again and quit giving the devil credit as, a, as an appropriate enemy. He, he is the one that has already been defeated. And if I thought that he was going to win in the end, then I may not be going the direction that I'm going in. But I know that I serve the one who has not already purchased the victory, but is going to come and declare it and, 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 and establish it, not just once, but once and for all time. And I personally like to win, so I am not satisfied watching other people accomplish and do and achieve in the same spirit that I've been given when I could be a accomplishing and doing and winning and seeing God use me because I like to win. And I, I, I just refuse to watch somebody else do what I'm perfectly capable of doing. Here's, you know, I, this guy's gotten a bad rap just because we've heard about him so much. But it, what I really like about now doctor, he was formerly pastor, but Dr. John Maxwell. Here's what I, I really like about him. As he saw... In the 70s and 80s, something wrong in the church. He saw that we were producing believers, but we were not producing leaders. 
He saw that, that we were convincing people to receive salvation, and yet somewhere in the journey, we were failing on convincing them that they could actually live it out and lead the way for somebody else. So in 1980, John Maxwell, he quit preaching. He stopped pastoring. And he went into corporate America. And he said, for the rest of my life, and I heard this come out of his mouth personally, he said, for the rest of my life, I will spend my life adding value to people. And once I add value to them, then I will explain to them where that value comes from. Because I've got to stop just convincing people to repeat a prayer after me and walk out of the door powerless against the enemy. He wanted to add value because he understood that forming a holy huddle on Sunday morning was not going to save the world. But the holy huddle, being empowered by the Holy Spirit and going out in the community that the Holy Spirit has commissioned them into, that is what would save the world. Listen, the church is not God's answer to the world's problems. A spirit-filled believer mobilized in the body of Christ is the answer. Don't you go out of here and misquote me. A spirit-filled believer mobilized in the body of Christ. The mobilized body, the empowered, the understood body of Christ mobilized together outside of a sanctuary. That's why from the very beginning, two years ago, I said, don't you come in here and get mad at me for not doing something in here that you don't do all week. Go out there and come tell me the stories. And I guarantee you that if you're operating in it out there, then when the body comes together, we will see everything that we're operating in out there begin to operate in here. But you know why we don't see authenticity in operation in the 21st century church? Because the church isn't operating outside of the house. So when we come in here, we have to draw it up and make something up and we have to try to create it and we call it emotional and we call it excess and we call it confusing because we don't know how to operate because we're only learning and operating on Sunday morning and not outside of the walls because we became satisfied with watching other people operate Monday through Saturday and then coming in and attempting to operate on Sunday. The gift of the Holy Spirit is not subject to the sanctuary. The gift of the Holy Spirit should be evident in society, and the gift of the Holy Spirit dwells in you. So when we operate in authenticity out there, we will see Him operate when the body comes together in authenticity in here. Number three, final point, the Holy Ghost is a reminder. He's a reminder. Aaron, if you'll come join me. Well, what does He remind us of? If he's a reminder, if, if, if the Holy Ghost is the comforter and the Holy Ghost is the teacher, and you can substitute Holy Spirit right there, you can, either one. And the Holy Ghost is a reminder, well, well, we need to discover what is it that he reminds us of. Verse 26 of John chapter 14 tells us, when the Father sends the Holy Spirit, the advocate, 
as my representative that is the Holy Spirit. That, that is who He is sending. Then He, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Teacher, He will teach you everything, and watch this, and remind you of everything I have already told you. He's the reminder. He's a reminder of what? No, no, no. He's a reminder of who. He is the reminder of who we are when we abide in Christ. He reminds us of who Jesus spent three years telling us we were. He reminds us of the words of Jesus that even greater works than these. Even even greater works. You think me causing a crippled guy to stand up off of a mat is incredible? Supernatural? A miraculous sign and wonder? Wait till you see what you do when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You think me opening up blind eyes and unlocking deaf ears is impressive? Do not find value in the fact that you are able to operate in miracles, to speak in new tongues, or to tread on serpents or powers and principalities. Be impressed by the one who is able to destroy the soul and the body. The greater work is not the miracles. The greater work is not the signs. The greater work is what we see in the sanctuary when a lost body comes and finds the spirit it was created by. The greater work is when somebody raises their hand and confesses Christ as Lord. The greater work is when a mama takes the gospel back to her house and brings her babies next Sunday and those kids begin to learn things that they would have never learned had mama not received salvation on Sunday morning. The greater work is a home being put back together. The greater work is a relationship being restored in the midst of a broken heart. The greater work is blind eyes spiritually being open to the things that God has been trying to reveal for the last 2,000 years. He will teach us about everything and remind us of what Jesus has already said about who we are when we're in him. Come on, just give him praise just for five seconds. We remember what you said. I'm not overwhelmed by life because I'm overwhelmed by him. It's not my control. It's not my responsibility. It's his. I'm his. I got pulled over one night. Happened to me. If it's never happened to you, good for you. It was late. Uh, apparently, the red flashing light doesn't me take your chance and roll on through. I was just, uh, but I, that's what I did. I pulled up to the light and it was kind of flashing at me, and 
it was like midnight. It was really late. I was going down to the camp um, because uh, before I had three babies and a bride, I used to do that. Just, just go hunt. Uh, I'm back. <laughs> On my way down that night, I, I got pulled over and and the officer, you know, he needed all my credentials. I was in high school. I was young. And I handed him my wallet and he looked at the card and he said, Fry. But by the way, that's F-R-Y-E. Uh, just anyways. So uh, he said, Chris Fry. I said, yes, sir. I, I had like 55 smart aleck comments that came to my head when he read my name on my card and I chose not to repeat any of them in that moment. He said, is, is your dad Doug Fry? And I said, in my head, I'm going, man, this is a 50-50 toss-up. Either, either I'm about to be set free because my dad is Doug Fry, or I'm about to go to jail. I mean, it's one of the two. So I was like, man, do I lie or tell the truth? And so I said, yes, sir, that's, that's my dad. And, and he looked at my license, and he threw my wallet back in the car, and he said, tell your daddy thank you for what he did. So my dad was on the council in Minden, and, and he led the way in, in helping the police officers in Minden receive a, a long overdue raise. And so he was given credit for leading the way in that and, and putting that on the ballot, and the community voted for it and passed it. And he threw my wallet back. He said, tell your daddy thank you for what he did. And uh, try to stop at those red things when they're flashing at you. I said, yeah. Yes, sir. I, I don't know who I'm talking to today. But some of you, you think you're in trouble. You pulled over. Maybe it was a misunderstanding or maybe it was something significant in your life. And you have the wrong view of the Holy Spirit. He's not holding you hostage. See, it's, it's the enemy that's holding you hostage. But Jesus is standing outside of the car. And the Holy Spirit is standing outside of the car. And He's trying to remind you of who you are. He came to tell somebody today, your father did something significant for you. And I'm not letting you go today because of who you are. I'm letting you go today because of who your daddy is. He, he is the Holy Spirit. He's the reminder. Because when I remember who he is, I realize who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm more than a conqueror. Christ Jesus. I'm saved to serve, but I'm sent to save. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. I fight from victory, not for victory. There is no weapon formed against me that shall prosper, and, and nobody can pull me over and hold me hostage. I'm developing into a leader because I've learned to be a follower of Christ. I receive 
you Holy Spirit. I receive you. Come on, right where you are. I just want to invite you right where you sit because I don't believe he's subject to this altar. I just want to invite you to close your eyes and lift your hands right where you are. Just, Lord, I receive you. I receive you, Holy Spirit. I receive you. I receive who you say I am. I receive who you declare me to be. I sense the pneuma, the wind of the Spirit in this church today. Not by the laying on of hands, but by the seeking of the people with lifted hands. It is the Holy Spirit who is in the house this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would breathe your presence through this place. That you would blow through here and remind your people who you have empowered them to be. Who you have anointed them to be. Who you have called them to be. That we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That we are an example and not an excuse. We are the saved and the sanctified. We are the ones who have been purified and made holy because you are holy. We live in your holiness. Lord, when I remember who you are, I realize who I am. And this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be the comforter in the midst of the storm, that you would be the peace in the midst of the struggle, that you would be the healing in the brokenness and the restoration in the distraction, that you would bring clarity to the confusing and you would be everything that your word says that you are. Holy Spirit, would you be the teacher this morning? We open ourselves up and we say, Lord, I'm not satisfied with what I've already learned, what I've already asked for, what I've already knocked on the door about. I'm asking that you would help me to ask more, seek more, and continue knocking, continue growing, and continue learning. Therefore, but continue becoming who you've called me to be. And finally, Jesus, remind us of who we are in you. Holy Spirit, come alongside us right now. Help us to receive everything that you have for us. Help us to receive a prayer language, but even more than a prayer language, help us to receive power, love, and a sound mind. I speak love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control to the body of Christ this morning. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, that we receive you. And before anybody gathers their stuff, before anybody moves another muscle, when I asked the question this morning, have you received salvation? Have you received Jesus' forgiveness for your sin, for your struggle, for the areas of your life where you've fallen short? If you have not, or if you've just not been following him, if you've not been living for him, if you don't have confidence in who you are in Christ, we want to make that right before you leave here today. If you would like to receive that confidence that this morning, that forgiveness this morning, I want to encourage you. Whether you've received salvation before or maybe you need to rededicate your life to Jesus this morning, recommit, reconfess today, would you just lift your hand right where you are and say, hey, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see you, thank you, thank you. I see you. This is the real miracle, church. This is the greater work. Thank you, I see you. Church, would you pray this prayer out loud with me this morning? The Bible says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ 
Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this morning, I need you to confess whether you raised your hand or whether you didn't. Raising your hand is not a sign of salvation. Raising your hand is a sign of surrender. Confessing out loud Jesus Christ is Lord is the sign of salvation in your life. So confess with all of your heart. Come on, pray this prayer out loud with me. Jesus, forgive me for all the areas I fall short. Save me. Cleanse me. Help me to follow you with all of my heart. But don't let me be satisfied. Help me become the leader that you desire for me to be. Holy Spirit, empower me to be an example and to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you give him praise in his house this morning? Come on, is he a good guy?